0: friends welcome to another episode of the laity podcast you got andrew and steven here just us tonight and we're excited to be reconnecting
1: steven what's up man hey just us it is man it's nice
0: we wanted to uh come back on and do a little bit of a reflection and summary of this open and relational theology conversation that we've had open now i guess i'm so going back on a few episodes um hopefully you guys have been tracking with us um i think it was mid-february we put out the first kind of introduction if you haven't checked out any of the open and relational conversation um this will be helpful in summarizing it maybe but we encourage you to go back and listen through the the conversations because we had a number of guests on i think episode 29 Stephen and i kick it off with an intro into the subject and then ultimately we had thomas j ord rabbi artson as well as Trip Fuller, so it's a nice little trifecta. And uh, Stephen, maybe you can. W- where do you want to start here? I think we could summarize a little bit of some of the conversations we had. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. define some terms again. But again, let's assume that most people have been along for the ride a bit. So, you know, we probably don't need to reintroduce the subject.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go digging up too much stuff we already talked about but i suppose uh, from a high level you know we've been thinking about open and relational frameworks of god uh which are often uh kind of presented as an alternative uh framework to what for us would be like traditional or classical theology right you know i mean do you think folks would pretty much yeah that yeah, that means you know god's all powerful all knowing he's immutable like uh you know he's he's perfect he never changes um he knows the future he, yeah mm-hmm. so uh open and relational frameworks uh it, it, it's a it's sort of an umbrella but the the commonality between them um is that they all sort of present alternatives to those classical views of god and I think it's important because, man, honestly, I mean, how many, how many friends of yours can you think of like right now off the top of your head that like the classical frameworks of God, uh, uh, you know, the notions of God being all-knowing, all-powerful, whatever, ha- have either been their exit point from their faith or hmm, like are right now as a source of pretty significant anxiety and wrestling?
0: Yeah, I think a lot. But
1: in many, I think
0: it's more subconscious. I was actually with someone literally yesterday having a conversation about prayer. And this individual was talking to me about how often for him, uh, and I really appreciated him just being honest. It's like, you know, he wants to come to God in faith, uh, you know, praying for very specific things, a new job, uh, a new house, very tangible, specific things. And in sort of his faith tradition putting particular like dates around that and expectations around that. Like, God, we know you can do this by this time and our prayer. And we're going to fast like for this thing to happen. And what he said is, you know, when it didn't and it did and it didn't in this case, um, it's like, okay, amen. Like we're going to be all right. But like deep down there actually is this anxiety, not only like why didn't God come through with me, but that quickly leads to, and he, he was kind of afraid to put words to it. But I said, dude, like no judgment here. I get it it quickly leads beyond can you do it to like, are you even there? Totally. And I yeah. think the, the, that's very normal. And I think, and no one is saying this, say, if you don't do these things for me, you must not exist. Like it's not that. Um, yeah. It's more mature than that. But some of these, the traditional framework, like it kind of begs the question, when are you even going to get involved? And when you don't, take suffering off the table. How about just life events, um, even in good times, you know, when those things don't happen, it does cause you to question a
1: little bit. Totally, Oh, and even the opposite, where like you do get what you want. So I, I remember one time, there's this brother who, who was sharing some really just encouraging news about he got this he got this job, and he, he was praying for a job for a while, and and things just it wasn't looking good. Things were getting tight for his family, and and th- there was some kind of a shakeup at this company, and a bunch of folks got out, and so they had to bring in new folks. And so he was sharing uh, with me this kind of victory because uh, he was one of the new folks. He got hired. He, he you know applied to the job and, and got um, it. made it in. But he, what he shared with me was the, the there's the verse uh, in, uh, in, in the prophets. I can't remember specifically what it was. I want to see it was Isaiah. But where God says that like, I, I will give men in exchange for your life. Mm-hmm. so Like for him, he was like, yeah, God answered my prayer. Like literally, he, I, I got this guy's job. Like these, and, and 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 I don't I don't mean to like make light of it, but it was like, like yeah, God answered my prayer. But then, I mean, immediately after that, the the, the second thought is like, well, what about that guy's prayer? Yeah, what about those like ten people? What, what about the other guys? So like for every prayer that I get that get, that gets answered for me, yes. What about all the people right now? You know, even the friends of ours that are like dealing with cancer and struggling, and and what about all the prayers that aren't? And how does that make sense? And, um, yeah, well, we talked about that. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, was that? no. I, I, was say, I think that's why it's important because not so much because the classical framework is wrong and we're here to set it right, but it, it's it's more that if if all you've got is the classical framework and no openness to to some of its holes, I think we're going to miss part of God because God's not God's not contained by the by the framework. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think these
0: these different frameworks, frankly, for a lot of people are like, including myself, as of. I don't know how long it's been. They're totally new. They're like, they're brand new. Yeah. And then I realized these other options were potentially on depending on, you know, your level of comfortability on the table. And I think the, and it's been, it's been interesting. I think Stephen, you'd probably say the same based on conversations we've had, but we've had some, even this series and some of this stuff has led to some interesting conversations and feedback. Cause I think you and I both like, we're not wholesale subscribers to any of this person or, or not, you know, Per se, and yet, I I'm curious to see which one you're closest to.
1: I guess we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, well, because no, a, I'm going to out of you.
0: Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to pick and choose, but there are certainly things I don't want to like buffet style, as we used to say. Um, just pick the things I like and leave what I don't. But at the same time, you kind of can do that. I don't know. It's interesting, and these <laughs> say, it's paradoxical in a lot of ways. But anyway, so why don't we walk through a little bit of these conversations that we have, like quick summarizing. You know, and the first was, um, you know, obviously we had the intro, but we had this this conversation with Tom Ord, who, yeah, you know, Thomas J. Ord, and we both loved that conversation. He's the author of um, The Uncontrolling Love of God and God Can't. And I actually read the former. I didn't read God Can't. I think you did. Yeah. Um, uh, w- w- thoughts? Can, maybe summarizing quickly. So Tom would, you know, fall in the essential kenosis camp Stephen for the, the kind of the people that are interested in theologically help us understand you know the neighborhood we're talking about is open yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: that's oh, good yeah yeah
0: give us the summary the the cliff notes of tom and this isn't really fair to him but kind of where he sits within the the spectrum
1: okay so so inside of the interviews which i uh, you know, something that folks have listened to because of course you know who hasn't at this point i mean it's like millions of people right uh so we have Open open and frameworks of God would include open theism, which would be that we had our rabbi, the um, Rabbi Artson, he was sort of a Jewish process theologian. Yeah, like that interview a lot. And from the Christian side, uh, also a process theologian, um, and home brewer, and just generally hilarious guy, uh, we had Trip Fuller. So, uh, Thomas Ord sits in a, in a different position, he's inside. Actually, he kind of sits in between two ones because he's his view. He calls essential kenosis, and he names it that um, for for a couple of reasons. It's it's very similar to something called open theism. Um, so, would it be helpful again to sort of recap very yeah, define briefly. like maybe a real real quick? Okay, so um, we'll, we'll we'll kind of move at least as I understand it from the more conservatively and traditionally oriented to the less. Uh, conservatively and traditionally oriented. So on kind of the furthest right, um, with right being conservative, I would say there's open theism. So these are thinkers like uh, Clark Pinnock, um, William Hasker. uh, I've got a book here on my shelf here. It's actually written by Pinnock, Richard Rice, John Sanders, William Hasker, and David Bassinger, called The Openness of God. And it's a really good introduction to open theism. Um, Core tenets basically are that love is the sort of primary attribute of god that when 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 the bible says that god is love uh and 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 when we look at the life and the witness of jesus that we are then justified on biblical authority to assume that love is the primary attribute of god and if that is the case um love is also well, you know, love is, love is, love is responsive and in relationship. It is not mm-hmm. coercive, not controlling. And so if love is God's primary attribute, then God cannot, you know, be all sort of controlling of the future. So open theism primarily focuses on God's orientation to the future. And they would say that God, God does not, um, God does not have you know, divine foreknowledge of all future events, um, all the time now he can be intensely present to all things at all times so that he can kind of see what's coming down the pike but he doesn't know uh the ins and outs of every single possible outcome because god is primarily love and love is not coercive which means that history is sort of being written by us and god together all at once Mm. Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it does so um now but many of the open theists would still say that god is all-powerful but he has chosen uh either to protect freedom or maybe it's you know to um uh there's some sort of fundamental laws in the universe that require that this to for god to do this but he 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 has decided to um not exercise his omnipotence so he has the ability to come in and fix and, and and change things unilaterally however the demands of freedom and the demands of love require that he not use it. Right. Um, that's, that's pretty short, right? That's, that's great. Fair enough. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, from there, we're going to move just to, the, I don't know, in my mind, just a to touch, I guess it'd be, you know, more towards the progressive side. And we're going to go a little bit, we're going to go into essential kenosis. This is Thomas J. Ord. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of the, 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 the main thinker in this. He it's really his term, I believe. Um, uh and he would say that yeah he would say he would affirm everything that open theism says but then he would he would say but not so god it's not that god um restrains his action like he could he could step in but he doesn't it's that god uh god is essentially canonic and that term canonic it's coming from the greek word that we see in philippians where it says that uh, in, in that, that Jesus sort of emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, that word for emptying, the root of it is is, is is a kenosis. I don't know the exact Greek term, but um, that God in his very nature is self-emptying and others empowering love. So love is God's primary attribute. Love is not controlling. And uh, God's God's love is essentially kenotic. God's nature is essentially kenotic and self-emptying. So this this love is like the, not only is it this primary attribute, but it's actually his sort of his core nature, right? Um, What's he, this? Go ahead. Keep going. He would probably nuance that more, but go, go ahead and ask your
0: question. I was going to say, what are the core distinctions between that? How is that? Where does Tom go that some of the more conservative, open, and relational folks wouldn't?
1: Tom says that um, God can't control things. Oh, right,
0: right, right, of course, okay. so it's Of It's not. He's voluntarily limiting. Right. He literally cannot do it
1: right and 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 yeah he literally can't and he can't do it for for a couple of reasons one um it, it's that god it, it's because what we just what we just talked about that love is not coercive so you 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 right. god god cannot unilaterally step in um because, uh, and and you know control people because that, that that's coercion, but then secondarily uh or maybe not secondarily but you know secondly um god um his because he is essentially canonic and and, and and he is he is, a, he is a he is a disembodied spirit, there is there was no body for him to use to step in and overpower. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: So this quote so, unquote like spirit, but what about the spirit? Like, does he believe in a third person of the Trinity that is the spirit, and that spirit intervenes?
1: I I suspect he's got a he's got a pretty robust theology of the Trinity because it's it seems to be. Um, you know the 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 community of the Trinity, the the love that flows between Father, Son, yes. and Holy Spirit is is generative for him, right? Um, and it's important for him, as my, at least as I understand it. Um, so uh, I I think he does. However, um, you know, because he is a spirit, he doesn't have a body to put in between you and the bullet. We we are the body. Christ has no body but ours, right? But don't all Christians believe that? Like, is that not the traditional thinking too? Or we think God is there? Well, they would think that, but they would think that though, even though, so God doesn't have a body, but God controls all bodies. Right. So because God, now you take the control off the table. So what is it? It's now he can't, he can't control. God's power um, in this framework is basically his, it's his, his, um, the persuasive power of the breaking in of his kingdom, or the vision he is he is portraying to us in the life and ministry of Jesus. Got and it. So he is present to us, and his book, God Can. not I really, I mean, it's it's a it's a great read. It's so, it's a, such a simple read, but he does a really really good job of distilling down the kind of the core tenets um, uh, of uh, of what he's talking about. And one of the ones that that, that I remember him mentioning is that God you know, even though God is not, um, God doesn't control everything. He's intensely present.
0: Yes. Down to the cellular level.
1: Yeah. Which I think is really pretty powerful. Like when you think about, you know, like for me, as I think about people who have have a hard time swallowing more classical notions of God's power and his omnipotence, maybe like a, like a, like a Calvinist framework where, you know, God has preordained everything, uh, including who he's going to save and who he's not. Um, you know, for, for those, those people, for they, they may find a lot of peace in, in, in that God is, you know, all suffering is basically has a place in God's plan. Right. But yes. a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You are intensely present to my suffering. You have the ability to stop it, but you choose not to. And Tom would say, no, he doesn't have the ability to stop it. Right. So, so that's where the problem comes in. So that's where Tom's essential kenosis comes in and says, well, no, he's intensely present. But he does not have the ability to stop it now. But what he does have, and he he actually, this is one of the moves he recommends that you make in order to sort of adopt his view, right? Is is you do create a space for for a healing even after death. So there, there, you know, the things can still be made right even beyond death, even be even in the next life. Maybe the cancer can't be healed now, but there will be healing in the in, in the age to come. But why? What's going to change though? Is God
0: going to all of a sudden like these healings? This age to come, but what? Does, is God going to flip a switch and all of a sudden he is going to get in and restore and do all these things like,
1: well, so for open theists, I think, yes. Like I read a paper, uh, by Clark Pinnock. Um, I've, I've been doing that discussion group, the Facebook discussion group. Right, that's right. Been, and it's been, it's been good. I mean, it's hard to get on there a lot with, with family life and stuff, but yeah. I've got my papers. Um, and Clark basically, yeah, he leaves it open as like, you know, basically there's a switch. And if God wants, I mean, whenever it's time, God can flip it and he can, he can kind of bring this thing to a close right. when when it's his time and in his wisdom, he knows, he, you know, he knows when it's the right time. Um, so that for him, I guess that's kind of how he makes sense of it, but for Tom and in essential kenosis, um, it's not that there's a switch and it's going to get flipped, but it's that God's love is so powerful and so, um, still patient. Actually, Jürgen Moltmann even one time I think described that the power of God is not his ability to sort of coerce and manipulate anybody, but it's his his patience. It's his persistent offering of new life, new grace, new opportunities um, so that um, if 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 we are willing to kind of make that shift to sort of leave open the door for post-mortem opportunities to respond to whatever God is doing, which I do think there's a biblical basis for that. It's a minority right. view, but I think it's I think it's I think it's a option uh, biblically. Um, if you're willing to make that move, then all you need is time. D- and, and God, God works in deep time. God, I mean you think about evolution, you think about open theists often and, and and Tom, and, and uh, as as you know, I guess an essential kenosis guy, uh, they 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 don't have any issue with evolution, right? Like right. there's no there's, so because for them that's how God works, like deep time and and you know, unfathomable creativity. Right. That's how God works. Interesting.
0: But Tom, now Tom leaves space for healing in some way. Like so, the the question. What about the miracles that we see in the gospels? What about the, so we talked about this. What about the signs in the book of John? Like there are these things that happen. I don't think Tom would say, nah, it didn't really happen, but at the same time, no. 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 So like how, but at the same time, clearly like in this, in the traditional, he's not going to accept. Yeah. God just decided to get involved. He did. He snapped his fingers and it happened. Right.
1: Yeah, it's one of the, one of the other core tenets that, he, that that he sort of recommends you make uh in order to adopt his view is that is that creation god work god and creation have to work together. Mm-hmm. Um so now you know when god the, there was creation obviously creation couldn't have worked with god in order to make things. Right? So creation is kind of the 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 creative outpouring um of the love of father son and holy spirit just like, you know, the creative outpouring of a husband and wife results in a child mm-hmm. uh, so so creation is, is 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 like that so um i'm losing my train of thought here we you just asking <laughs> totally so
0: how so the miracle piece so you said how does to work with creation
1: so so but uh now that creation is here for god to be loving and god to be in an in, in a genuine relationship a genuine reciprocal give and take relationship Right. Where what God does affects us, what affects like what we do, which then in turn affects how we relate to God, which then affects what God brings to us later, and it changes our relationship, which can change the course of history. Um, then so creation has to cooperate with God. And so uh he would say that there are just some times when creation does not cooperate. And to be perfectly honest, I it is kind of cloudy to me. That that's one of the questions I I don't feel like he answered super well. I kind of want to come back to him on that, um, on the miracle question. How exactly does that work? Because right. um, it, it is a core tenet that, that, that God sort of needs our cooperation. Like God can't just, um, you know, for example, like if I'm praying to God, God, I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. Um, well, God's not going to just wave the magic wand. Right, uh, you need to kind of respond to him inviting you into healthier rhythms of life, healthier rhythms of, of, of mind. And right. You and, have a responsibility, uh, emotional healing and whatever else, you know, needs to take place in order to kind of get you more kind of aligned in your, your body, your cells, your heart, your mind, all more aligned with sort of what he wants for your life to bring about um, healing and whatnot. So, um, but it does get weird uh, when it comes to things like, you know, cancer. Because he does leave the door open, like, like, like yeah, God some, does sometimes heal. And, and one of the ways I guess he, he he allows for that is that he sees medicine and the science as not something, you know, pitted against God. It's not like, hey, did God heal this person or did the doctor? He's like, well, no, like yes. The the answer was yes, both. Hmm. It's not an either or. It's that, you know, God it was the one who has brought about this, you know, be God in relationship with us has has presented us with sufficient, you know, creativity and, and new ideas to recognize that there are patterns of things and that if we use certain drugs, certain things happen and right. and develop a uh, medicine and all that is sort of happening inside of God. So medicine is even, even itself sort of a blessing of God.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I was having a conversation with someone this morning also about about that exact thing, what what other questions do you have for Tom? Like, if you had him for another two hours, like, what are things that come to the surface that you'd want to probe him on? I would try
1: to hit pretty hard on on the on on the on the miracles thing, um, because it really is yeah. unclear. Like, like in like what what does that mean? So, like in, I mean, frankly, I'm I'm comfortable with and maybe the Exodus not happening exactly like it happened in the Bible. But, you know, something happened right. that, that, you know, was behind the Exodus story. Who knows? Um, but when it does come to things like like with, say, Jesus' miracles, I mean, the stories are presented pretty clearly as like, yeah, Jesus healed him, And it's on those grounds. Like, that he has his authority. That he has his authority. Yeah. So it's used as like a, like, it's like kind of building this case to to get people to listen to what Jesus is doing. Um, yes. So I, I'd, I'd love to hear him kind of flesh that out a little bit more. And then, and then the last thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, I, 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 I did ask him, I didn't feel like he quite pushed it. I didn't feel like he um, answered it all the way. I, f- I feel like he really did a good job of answering most of the questions in the interview. Um, it's one question I, I yeah I, I would love to bring back to him is remember Judas in the garden, or I guess it's after the garden. It's, it's when um, the uh, Judas leads the, you know, the mob to Jesus kisses him on the cheek and then peter like draws his sword and he's yeah. like ready to go to town cuts off the guy's ear she just then heals the guy's ear and he's like hey like what do you dude <laughs> i love that story So i'm like i just Look imagine he's like really really? <laughs> really are you serious like, oh, tonight like
0: i'm just saying uh, Ash, i don't know he might be like thanks bro but
1: yeah you're appreciate all. that <laughs> <laughs> so you but, but, but then then he says like you know don't you do you not think that I could call? Yes, like twelve, like like legions of angels, um, and 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 at least the way that the gospel writer presents it is like that for Jesus. Like that's a viable option. Like Jesus is kind of weighing his options. He's going, look, dude, wow, I could do this, but I'm not. Hmm. Um. So I'm wondering how how he impacts that. But I, w- what did you think of when he said that? Like just point blank, was like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't really work very well. I loved,
0: I loved, I loved it on one hand because I'm like, thank you. Cause we all have those pieces of like any framework we have about anything a political, spiritual, whatever. It's like, yeah, this just doesn't work. And we don't want to say that. Or I just don't know how I feel about this. Um, and I think yeah. I pointed out in the episode, I think I was kind of like, I like that. Or I appreciate that. Um, it'll make other people really uncomfortable. It's really nice to have these things airtight. And Tom isn't just going to chalk something up to, Like he's unwilling to make a lot of these classic assumptions about God in the sense of like, well, I don't understand it. And it seems wrong and it's backwards, but it's God. So we can't explain it. Like he doesn't do a lot of that. Like he's not copping out. Um, he's, he's actually just owning that sometimes it it doesn't work biblically. So I I don't know. I liked it. I appreciate that. The other thing I just thought of was, um, and I'm kind of blanking. The last thing that you just shared, oh, about the garden and ten thousand angels. Oh, the other things. Well, like if I think about the, like even the tempt, think about that Jesus in the desert, like being tempted, and some of those temptations, like turn these stones to bread, and like presumably feed these people, start a movement, feed these poor people, like get the ball rolling that way, or you know, jump, same thing, jump off the temple, you'll get saved, like some sort of like. And I think that was not just like, "Hey, do this trick and see if angels save you," but it's also very symbolic in terms of where it was on the top of the temple and the authority and yeah. the prophecies. But still, there, yeah, there are a few things in there that make you go, eh, "I don't know."
1: It, it, yeah, it does seem like at least the biblical writers thought that that was a possibility for Jesus.
0: Yes, and I, I want to also note that like we do this all the time with other things in the Bible, like what do you mean? What do you mean? Like we make assumptions about there are whole doctrinal frameworks based off of like one-off passages that just don't sit very, I'll give an anecdote that just don't sit very well with like other things we see. Namely like the more, is it technically like this, the cessationist understanding of like the Holy spirit and its roles today. Like that these gifts were imparted to the apostles, even though Jesus says explicitly like you, I will give you this, you will have these signs, you will, you know, hold snakes and speak in tongues, like all of these things will, <laughs> yeah but he also and then we go you know in our tradition historically and like churches of christ and other many 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 others yeah would say actually no those gifts like cease with the apostles and i don't even know what i forget i think it's first Corinthians 13 something like when the perfect comes it won't be yeah,
1: yeah. that's, that's <laughs> usually we say it's the bible the perfect is the bible It's a total
0: misappropriate. We won't even get into it. It's just a total, it's just a gross misuse of scripture. Sorry. But also, I think the argument that those particular gifts ended with the apostles is probably valid. And there's things that we can be, you know, I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm generally more open-minded, I think. But the point is, like, there's all these healings in the Bible, and the book of Acts, like, there's all this stuff there. And we go, well, yeah, but that doesn't happen anymore. Like, we do the same thing in terms of sort of being uncertain and then with that, like what we do with the, you know, I think it's in Mark when G- when Jesus is saying these things will accompany you. And then Matthew 28, and we say, well, that was only for those disciples of that time. Matthew 28, Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. You're going to do this. And and we say, yep, that's his call for us now, today, every single disciple, this is all we're supposed yeah. to do. So there's some like good kind of hermeneutic work, hermeneutical work you could do and like nuance this all. But the point is like, Tom, the fact that Tom like he can't perfectly square every little nuance of biblical passage to perfectly fit fit in his framework, totally cool with me.
1: I I love that he just he just tips his hand and says, "Yeah, I don't like I don't have that one." That's okay, hundred uh, percent. Because you know what we all do. Like literally, I mean, especially our manners of theology, how we think about God, because it's such a weighty thing for us. We play everything close to the chest, And so you come into these yes. conversations and you know, like deep down in your bones, you know that you got a weak spot. 100%. Like, you, like there was a don't verse. Don't bring up that passage. Don't forget yeah, Oh man, like, I don't know. Like I, I read, I, you, know, I mean, you know that feeling. Like when you like read a response, and like, okay, yeah, I guess I can use yeah. that. But right. I don't know, it doesn't quite work. Like we all have that. There is not a framework that is a home run. Um, there was a... Uh, there, there, Have you listened to that episode from the most recent episode from, uh, from Dan Coke on, um, on you have permission Uh, phenomenal Bethany. I can't remember her name, but it's on like animal suffering. And she, she said, she has this line that that I I love. She said that theology is a model making endeavor. And so whatever we say, when we're doing theology, we're talking about something a little bit less than God. Mm. Yes. And I love that. Yep. I love that because you know, like, like, there are strengths to these different frameworks of God, be it because inside the classical camp, inside the more open and relational camp. But when you when you get so locked in that yes. you can't tip your own hand, what's really happening is like that—that's your survival mechanism kicking in, right? Like that's like I'm, I just don't want to get pantsed, and yes. so you know. I, but but when you do that, you're not you're not you're not you're really able to receive. I don't know the the benefit. That comes from hearing your own critique. Like we all need a prophet. We all need someone walking around going, hey, you know, you got some problems.
0: Dude, what would just, how much would things like change for the better? And just in general, just be great. If we like had space for that in general, like more of that,
1: man, I, I, I think the church, that's kind of what this podcast is born out of. And that's what I'm, I mean, my, I'm, I am hoping we we have recently joined a, a different church community in the last year or so, with the hope of doing just that. Um, yeah. Trying to, uh, trying to create communities that that have the cohesion, uh, and, and and you know a kind of coherent, I guess, identity in terms of like, yeah, we're trying to be like Jesus people, yeah. but also have the openness for theological diversity for diversity of all other kinds and 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 trying to um i, I guess just have a different posture than that kind of uh, what feels to me is sort of tired like um just culture war like yeah defensiveness
0: yes uh dude let's keep the ball rolling let's talk about the rabbi
1: Okay, so yeah, so now we we've done uh, open theism, we've done essential kenosis. Now moving a little bit further in, in onto the progressive side of the spectrum um, would be uh, process theology, and I think we said this a few times. Uh, it's pretty. It, it, it's it comes. I mean, as as far as I could tell, like the, the the guy who's really credited with actually kind of putting together a coherent theological framework around this or a philosophical framework around this is Alfred North Whitehead, right? Um, he was a mathematician, philosopher, and then turned theologian. Um, I can't remember exactly the what year it was, but I don't know, probably like thirties, forties, fifties, somewhere in there. Yep, am um, I in the ballpark? I see you googling something. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, so. As far as as coming together like as a thing, like as an option on the menu, it's relatively recent. Um, but a lot of the moves are not all that new. If that makes. Sense. He was so, just you
0: know Whitehead was actually it was a little bit longer ago. Like he like born in eighteen sixty one, died in nineteen forty seven. So what probably like the early nineteen hundreds. Uh yeah, yeah I guess so. Anyway, no, sorry.
1: No, I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't read any of his stuff, uh his actual like original work. I mean it's pretty his process theology, especially from from him, is 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 notoriously difficult to kind of Oh sure. So Dennis. um so but the 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 core tenets, it keeps everything from open theism uh in terms of like uh like love being kind of the primary attribute of God, uh and and it keeps like what Tom offers an essential kenosis in terms of, um, you know, God, not having God, not having the power to, uh, fix everything. And then it, it, and it actually kind of introduces this, this interesting metaphor that I, I I see a lot of good in it, that, that God is in some sense, the soul of the world. Um, so sometimes, uh, you'll hear terms like panentheism, um, Used for process theology, and that—that's—that's and that's not the same as pantheism, which would be like the the worship of the world as God, but this idea that the world is contained inside of God. Hmm. Um, and I think Tom might even actually fall somewhere inside of that camp. I'd, I'd be interested to ask him that. Um, so, uh, how that works? I mean, there, there's a good book. It's pretty short. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit dry, but it's a I thought it was helpful. Um, It's the book we talked with Chip about very briefly. Uh, Omnipotence and Other Theological Mistakes. That's from uh, uh, Charles Hartshorn. Um, And he kind of lays out these six common mistakes about God that, uh, sorry, I'm like scratching this poison sumac so bad. I'm like, dude, I'm about to take Benadryl and just get completely plastered on this podcast. (laughs) I'm so
0: sorry, man. Uh Oh
1: man, um, you're doing all right, a great so, job. So the hard uh, one's I, I got these six common mistakes about God, and actually they're they're, they're fairly helpful, I think, to sort of explain um, the 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 process perspective. I mean, uh, generally it's 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 God as uh, you know uh, the omnipotence of God. He he thinks is sort of a basically a, what we've done with, with omnipotence is we have given to God, but has only ever belonged to Caesar. Um, hmm. And, and you know what? Artson actually mentioned that he said, you know, like we, I, we, we, I'd asked him on, um, about, you know, well, what about sort of the comfort that people can find in right. like this idea that like, well, no matter how bad things really are, at least God's got to God right. can somehow fix it. Yeah. And he said, you know, that that's just another Pharaoh. Like what we, what we need is not another Pharaoh. We need Gosh, something dude. different. It's powerful, man. Oh. Um, so, and then you know, some other ones like um th- there there's just like, there, there's there's some diversity in the process stream, so some would have more of a sort of a, of an eschatology, an idea that like mm-hmm, you know yeah things can all get made right, that's that somehow you know God's love it's persistent it's patient and 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 he'll continue he'll continually offer new newness until um you know all is made right in the age to come uh or or some like heart are kind of um talks not so much about immortality but more about how we kind of live on in the mind of God. Um, like if you imagine if you imagine um, uh, dropping a petal, uh, it's not a petal, like a pebble in, in the water, like if you're like a, at like a lake house, you go on uh-huh. the dock, you drop a pebble and there's these ripples that start to kind of come out from that pebble. Yeah. And they can go a long, long, long ways. Well, if you imagine that sort of like being eternal and then each one of us is sort of like these pebbles where like we're causing these ripples in the minds of God. And there are times where my pebble and your pebble, like our waves kind of come together for a while. And then eventually, you know, one of us passes, they go and they go separately. And, but those, those, those ripples live on in the mind in, in God. And so hmm. um, it's not so much that like our souls exist forever. It's more that there's some kind of a subjective existence that lives in the mind of God. I, the, I, like I said, it gets super confusing wow. and nerdy and 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 deep, and um, you kind of need to have a degree to dive into all that. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um. Well, what would the process? Well, maybe before asking a question, can you keep going? Like maybe continue to map trip out also, just to yeah, round yeah. out.
1: So trip, um, trip, uh, let's see. I, I think. I, I know he's gonna listen, listen
0: to this and he's gonna tweet us and be like, you
1: guys represent
0: yourself, Trip. Uh,
1: I Maybe mean, if I talk faster, he won't be able to understand me because he listens to every podcast at three three X speed. Five X speed. That's unbelievable. Um so the thing I really liked about Trip, I I feel like he does such a really good job of our of, of naming the problems with classical theology yeah and kind of ex- he kind of he kind of drags the skeletons out of the closet and like throws it in the middle of the room so we all have to look at it yes uh, <laughs> because he's i mean there's a lot of stuff he's right about and i'm like man the great um I I, I I for if, if 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 your faith and the way you kind of understand the world and suffering doesn't really like cash out for the poor and the marginalized here and now right like are you are you not part of the problem? And, and in process, like that's, I think it gives you, because it doesn't concern itself so much with like, um, afterlife affairs. It's much more worried about what is God, what is the new life that God is kind of offering right now? And what are the ways that we are not responding to it? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, process theology, let's see, in in terms of suffering, um, I love what he said about, 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 you know, in in God, like in in the cross, what we see is that God actually takes into himself the experience of the marginalized, the criminal, or, you know, who was being killed as a criminal, even though he wasn't, um, outside of the city, dying alone, and the experience of the, like, uh, mourning father
0: uh, mourning
1: the loss of his son and those are all taken into sort of like the the experience of god so that god god is god is with us in this pain and suffering um, that we experience in in ways and 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 even in that so because in in process you, you god doesn't control things he doesn't have that power he's not a pharaoh god is the one who sort of continuously whispers in her ear that it doesn't have to be this way um w- one guy uh I don't know that he would actually consider himself a process theology I mean I, I probably would Jack Caputo um there's the book the weakness of God appear on my shelf and he's got another book that he that he wrote and, and I, I love it he says it's the, it, the the insistence of God so God is not and in that book he basically makes the case that God does not exist because things that exist are you know sort of like those are just things or objects god's not a thing or an object god is the insistence that's that that this can be different this can be better this can be something that it isn't yet um so when you're when you are when you are if you are someone who is far on the more kind of conservative side and you you hear something like that that sounds kind of crazy right um but I think if we can, if you sit with it long enough, I, I, I do think that, that, th- that there there is something, that there is a way that we can all be shaped more in the, into the image of Christ by hearing that.
0: Yes. I love the present, to your point, kind of the present here and now nature of that. I know I'm making you talk the whole time, but where would, where would Trip go almost too far where Tom wouldn't necessarily venture in or vice versa? Like where... What, uh, and not just them specifically, but in terms of kind of the camps and the understandings, like where does Trip continue to push and and the
1: and Rabbi arson? You mean versus... besides using potty words? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think,
0: huh? Like, what makes that process? What makes pure kind of process more "quote unquote" progressive than?
1: Like well, a, so it it, it it does seem as though um, Tom kind of uses more of some of the traditional theology building blocks, sure. Um, than, and Trip does. Uh, I, I I would say. Let me think about that. I, I,
0: I, Put you on the spot, dog. I
1: know it's a deep question. Um. Maybe we need to bring them both on and have them hash it out. I think they do all that stuff together already. Yeah, they do. They do a lot of stuff. Um, uh. So my short answer is, I really don't know exactly how to flesh that out. Um, I, I, I definitely get the vibe that, um. Tom has more of a, I don't know what what we would consider somewhat conservative approach to some things in the scriptures, um, even though they're in an agreement on a lot of things. Right. Um, probably healings. They probably would think differently about healings. Um, uh, Tom seems to kind of leave this door open. That on like, like yeah, there are they're miraculous can happen, but I don't think it's because God unilaterally you know, does it. It's because somehow creation cooperates, and it seems like for Trip, um, you know, it, 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 and in process in general. We all kind of know miracles don't happen. Right. But there are anomalies and, and there are there are unexpected creative new opportunities that God can present to us in the midst of pain and suffering or difficult situation that right. can have a miraculous effect on our lives. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that distinction makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it does. No, it does. Yeah, it'd be cool to hear him flesh it out. I think what my got question is to no, linger, yeah, on the miracles front, like we talked about, the healings piece prophecy sort of how they think about prophecy as as sort of traditionally understood in the scriptures um and then like the coming of the kingdom sort of the the eschatological parts as well do you have any sense of where trip how trip thinks about that piece is it yeah kind of the coming of the new heavens and the new earth if that's a thing
1: yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so th- th- it seems to me that process theologians tend to read those verses um, in some sense as parables, but also in, in that, like, no, like there there is something new coming, but it is coming, it will come when we all like will respond to what God is offering. So the more that we, the more there the more that we can can respond to. The invitation of God into newness of life, and and well, you know, specifically, I guess, for of, sort of, death to ourselves and newness of life. Um, the 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 more that that kind of, I don't know, um, the, the more that that the world becomes the kind of place where people are involved in in reciprocal self-giving relationships. Right. Um, instead of, you know, killing each other.
0: But how does that differ from, like, how does, what makes Jesus distinctive in particular? Like versus oh, okay. kind of sort of utopian, we're all going to, you know, as long as we all like love each other more and try to be more tolerant, yeah. blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, you will have that. I, I, th- I think that co- the conservatives will, will probably have that critique of some things in process. Uh, I, I hope that they don't, on that account, then turn a deaf ear to it. Um, because well, I'm turning
0: a deaf ear right now. There's still,
1: yeah, there's, still, there's I've always labeled you as a conservative, Andrew. Um, there there's a I I I, I, I there's still a lot to learn from it. So, um, the, what makes you just distinctive? It's a good question. Uh, Trump is really interested, actually, in kind of religious pluralism. He's got a lot of, um, uh, material on his podcast about it, and and I don't want to I, I can't like nail down his position exactly, but what I, you know I I hear things about. Um, there uh, different ways that the Christ. So, there's sort of idea of the universal Christ. You probably can explain that better than I can. Like from Richard Rohr, if, do you want you want to unpack that briefly?
0: Uh, no, honestly, not really, because I don't want to do a disservice. I mean, effectively, the idea that Jesus is fully authoritative in all, through all, like uh, the the stupid, sure, uneducated way of saying it is like. Jesus is not only like ruling and reigning; he is in everything, and and so it can quickly turn into some sort of weird. It can ter- quickly be misinterpreted as so everything is God. Um, okay. but that's not really what he would say. I think that, that the cosmic Christ, sort of the divine authoritative Jesus, is basically cross crosses every barrier that we, you know, that we think exists and in, including our own ideology. And so sort of shows yeah. up in everything, by the way, plug, he just put a book out called the universal Christ that I haven't read.
1: Awesome. I've, uh, I've, I've heard it kind of said sort of shortly, like, um, like before there was Jesus, there was still Christ. And, and sometimes so then there, and, and that Christ was, was manifesting himself in different ways. Um, yeah. And, and I suppose as a Christian, I mean, if you're going to kind of take on that identity, then you do kind of say like, well, we think that, that, that the clearest expression of who God is, or maybe of Christ, I don't know, is, is, is seen in this self-giving, self-dying love of Jesus. But then for process theologians, like for Trip, um, it does, I think, free them up to enter into religious dialogues with other people non-competitively. Like Mm -hmm. they're able to, they're able to go in there and, and to experience, I've heard him use the language of like, you know, you, 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 it's like being at a family reunion and and you kind of realize like, Oh, I've actually got this really cool uncle. And we, we think a lot alike and I'd love hanging out with this guy. Um, (laughs) not like, you know, uh, you know, a a salesman and you got to get in there and and, try to, try and try and sell the product. Um, so I, I think on the distinction of Jesus on the one hand, um, there would probably be actually more of an emphasis on um, well, what makes Jesus distinctive is his universality, which means that hmm, okay. you know, asking questions about his distinctiveness is maybe may a little bit missing the point. But um, they would also probably say that uh, in you know some of them might say like. What is distinct about Jesus is, I guess, which I guess it's the same thing. It is that, that he is he's the clearest vision of of, of the Christ of what God has been trying to say to us, and he's, right. which right. And which we see in other religions and things. So that's another critique that I suspect conservatives will have. Got um, it. A worry that they would have.
0: I love trip. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be redundant. You know he. One, it's just great that you can just sort of give him the floor, and has he's got great things to say. But so, you know, it also has a good pulse on so like what's going on out there, and yeah, I think the the real here and now, flesh and bone sort of reality. Like, I really resonated with a lot of what he was saying, even like what he's observing in individuals and in the church. It's like, and yeah, and this is a problem. Like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, and like we're telling people this. Like, you know, his passion and energy behind that. Is like reminded me a lot of. Kind of things I've thought in the past, not so much in terms of the content, but like the delivery and his thinking around it.
1: Yeah, which is yeah. cool. So, what did you? Are you are you like gonna wear a jersey? Are you ready to put one on, or what do you? Where do you? Where do you kind of? Dude, I got the jersey. Who are you with? Trip,
0: Trip could have a jersey. So, dude, <laughs> here's what I liked. So, this puts the open and relational thinking and theology puts a lot of framework and. Theological scaffolding around things that I've maybe thought or had concerns with in the past, but never really had a framework for. So, for example, I don't want to go off a rabbit hole. I don't want to be sensitive to time, but the when I was in a, a ministry role formally in college, you know, there's always a lot of questions around God, Pastor good. Drew, yeah, exactly, Pastor Drew, exactly. <laughs> And we passed. Dude, I'm so tired. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the, um, in college, everyone wants to know, like everyone wants to have conversations about like, what's God's will and plan for my life? Because you're, you're at this stage of where am I going to go next? What am I going to study? Should I actually like studying get good grades instead of just like knocking on doors, like evangelizing all day? Should I actually like, pay? like, there are a lot of questions about what kind of job to pursue? Who should I marry? Where should I go? And so the question of inevitably Come to the surface again, again, again. What's God's will for my life? What does He have for me? And I was young too, and like when I was in college, a lot of the people in my ministry were my age or a little bit, a little bit younger. And so I'm not some sage giving this great wisdom about God's plan for your life. But I'd like to think I regularly, based on my theological quote unquote training, more influences. Um, I never really felt a need to like I, I would always emphasize God's kind of capital W will for the world and this path that He has us walking as Jesus followers, which is a narrow path, but without any particular set destination, you got to go here and you got to, and that, that life is sort of this, you know, giant puzzle piece to be, you know, figured out or these different tiles you're putting together in a mosaic. One day you're going to get it. And God has this plan for you. And if you don't do it that way, you messed up. I sort of always subscribe to this idea that, well, God's really interested in just forming you into a more Christ-like, loving, compassionate, holy, patient, fruitful, Disciple, regardless of where exactly you take a job, right? Or whether you yeah. take like Sally or Betsy or something, right? Like he was less concerned with all the ins and outs and the minutiae of that. Um, I say all that to say, I think that so, the sort of idea that like, God knows the future, He has this plan for you, He's going to set you in this place in this time, like it's not really ever how I really thought about God. Cause I think even in my own personal life, like my dad and people that really have influenced me as mentors the thinking was really around sky's the limit. There's all sorts of possibilities. You really can't take a bad path if you're informed by the Holy Spirit, by wisdom, by discernment, living the right kind of life and getting input from those around you. That being said, I think what open and relational theology does is when it kind of allows space for God to sort of be growing with history and with his creation, I think there's a lot of room for that kind of thinking. And I I like that. The other side is like the on suffering. Yeah, like yeah. I, I haven't experienced a lot of suffering in my life. Straight up, um, in terms of like legitimate hardship, death, um, in the fa- in families, loved ones, tragedies. Like I just don't, I don't have a laundry list. Um, there are a couple things that are kind of inexplicable, and you know, I was recently Stephen even talking to you about a buddy of mine with some mental health challenges that's really at you know dealing with things that he doesn't you know as someone that's hearing voices and and that is you know being sort of plagued by these mental capacities that are failing him and is and therefore getting in trouble with the law getting in trouble with his physical health getting in trouble i can't keep a job like he's dealing with all of these really really painful things not because he was a heavy drug user not because he made some sinful error but because he literally like this disease fell upon him really um and now against his own will um is being like called, to, you know, has voices in his head telling him to do things he doesn't even want to do that might be breaking the law or disrupting other people's lives. And then he's ultimately having to pay the consequences for it by getting arrested or by getting fined or by getting kicked out of his house. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he is ball and chained to a disease he has no say over, being told one thing in his internal capacities, like literally voices and meanwhile, like his inner voice, something deep inside him is saying, this is wrong. I don't really want to do this. This isn't how it is. But he doesn't have the kind of framework to think any differently. And so he just has to obey. And that's a very, right. really very vague way of laying all this out. In those scenarios though, it's like the guy doesn't have any choice in the matter. He's literally plagued by something physical. It is having real life consequences in terms of physical health, in terms of safety, in terms of like living your life or going to jail or dying and the idea that god could just like get involved and turn it off but he just opts not to yeah or worse god planned on it and it's just part of his plan yeah um is horrifying and but that's fine you know i think some would say well but that's god's ways are higher than your ways and blah blah, blah and i think that's a misuse of the scripture in my mind but i i i get why some people genuinely are resigned to like no like we just will never know and i i get that but there's something about like jesus asking his disciples, like, hey, if, if your son asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If you ask for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? Like something about, you know, if you fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children, you know, think are, yeah. are sinful, how much more am I? Like he is, he is trying to draw their attention to their own humanity and goodness. Yeah. And he's saying like, so what you know about fatherhood? Yeah, that's really good. I'm way better than that. Right. And like that kind of, like he does, Jesus does give us a taste of what this thing should look like. It's not like, your son ask you for this. Are you going to kill him? You're going to send him an eternal conscious torment. Like there are plenty of other things. I can go, dang, it doesn't sound very human.
1: Yeah. Like, like like you, you, you take away like the actual content of the, of the word love. Like, exactly. It looks like this and you just wouldn't yeah. get it. No, it is loving. This is the most loving thing he could do. It's, To Yeah. I mean, wow.
0: And so exactly. And so I, I, of course I really appreciate all of that. Um, you know, things I don't get, there's still a lot of questions I have. Um, prayer is a huge part of this for me. It's like, how are we supposed to think about prayer? I, I, Brian Zahn's really helped me over the years to shift my thinking about prayer from, you know, asking, soliciting God to get certain things for us, even good things to a formative, um, you know, becoming transfer you know becoming transformed into a more christ like person, like hearing from God, understanding our identity, being informed, and ultimately deployed out into the world. like he's helped me a lot in that. I think the the open and relational stuff though still leaves me questioning like what kind of things like is God interested in hearing from us, or is he you know or is God witnessing this like the Truman show? In, like, behind this bubble, and he can't reveal himself. And he's like, Attaboy, son, like, I know, I know you wish this could change, and I can't do anything about it, but like, it's okay. Like, you're, I don't don't know, like, it kind of creates a bit of a weird dynamic for me. Um, and I don't Mm. know how I feel about it in terms of like what it means functionally for my prayer life, because I'm not asking God then to intervene. And yet, at the same time, I I don't think he's interested in us just like saying, "Eh, God can't do anything, so why talk to him? I think there's something there. I'm curious how you think about the prayer
1: piece. That's uh, that's a big one, man. I mean, I think especially, you know, I've been at several prayer groups recently for folks that have cancer and things, and you know, praying for healing and thing. I mean, gosh, like yeah, I would we, we want healing, totally, but I I am like I'm like really bothered by the the idea of you know God. I mean, I, I mean, this this might I don't want to make a straw man, but. To me, it does end up kind of feeling like like wait, am I just supposed to like come and just beg like is there or is there a certain threshold of faith? I mean that story exactly. that Tom shared about about the needle, you know, like hours of prayer, like God is up there going ten, nine, eight, seven, six, okay, it's coming, you know like, and but if you don't hit it, like you're up, oh, sorry guys, like better luck next year, Um yes. that that's problematic, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I that's what I, I, I like that about this open and relational framework of God is that it does it it, it 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 validates I think that not that's in all of our stomachs when we go and, and we're praying for you know someone who's in intense suffering um, and we're like God we know that you can fix this you've got this perfect plan and your plan is wonderful and good but deep down you're like wow but how how does this make how does that make sense. Wow. I mean, I mean, okay, fine. If it's true, it's true. Like if maybe whatever, it, you know, if God is a Calvinist, uh, then, you know, maybe he's got everything he's all figured all out followers. and it's just going to be amazing. Um, and there's nothing that we can do about it, but I think it's powerful to, to validate the experience because a lot of the people, especially like you and I are friends that have left the church it it it's because it it it's I won't say because but it is it is definitely affected by mm-hmm. um, the reaction to those kinds of questions. So to your question of prayer, what do I do with it? I I don't know. Brian Zahn is big with me too. Um, I love you know the, the idea that the purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. Um, but I also appreciate Thomas Ord's uh, you know this idea that, that that prayer is about becoming more sort of tuned in to what God is trying to do. Um, so it, first, you're, you get rooted in the moment. Like Your prayer is not primarily in a, uh, seeking a, a way out. It's actually sort of a, a way of inhabiting a moment in a time and a place and then praying to sort of inhabit that moment in time and place in a way that God is trying to bring in something new.
0: Yep. Um, I love that. Yeah. How about for yourself? Maybe I'll put a 10 minute cap on it. any other thing or five minutes. I think we're going an hour or so almost.
1: Yeah, I'm talking too much.
0: No, no, it's good. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see if it's good or not. We'll right <laughs> what are things that you, you're you taking away? What are kind of tools you add to the tool belt? Obviously, you've been in this for longer than I have, but then what are some yeah. of the, kind of the, the open ended, not so sure, which we've hit a number of those things already, but
1: we have. Yeah. I, I like, um, I, I am to, I, I am attracted, and at the same time, kind of bothered by the notion that God is God just is not all powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what kind of for me what gives it actually I think kind of some weight. Like a, a lot of I had some friends recently that are, were pushing back on it, and and you know we were just having a good conversation. They're like, well, it just feels like you're just going from this philosophy that you sort of accept, and then go to the text and go looking for it, which of course you're going to find it. But if you ask me, like, we're already doing that with classical theology. It's just you're taking Greek philosophy. You're taking, you know, the idea, like, what Plato and Aristotle thought about God, um, or about, you know, the, the, the perfect, the good, and then um, going to this text that is, at least, you know, predominantly, as far as the you know, Hebrew scriptures, not a Greek book. Um, mm mm-hmm. And 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 coming to some conclusions. So we're already kind of engaged in, that, in in that. So to me, like the idea of like shopping for a different philosophy is totally a viable option. Um, and so uh, I, I like the idea of of the omnipotence thing, especially because what it buys me in term in suffering, mm-hmm. um, or what it buys, I guess, for me and with people with suffering, because like you, like you said, I mean, I, I haven't really had. You know, enormous amounts of suffering in my life. I've been fortunate in that way, but um, to 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 see how this can minister to people in suffering is huge. Um, I like, uh, I I, I like that it kind of, I guess, it sort of frees me up to stop trying to. I feel less anxious about the Bible. I guess, like, I don't need to try to. Explain everything away. Like uh, I I, um, I can I can let things sit in tension a little bit more when I'm in process because process will generally or or not some I, I would probably be be most aligned with Thomas Awards, essential kenosis. Yeah. If I gotta put on a jersey, I'll, I'll go yeah, with agreed. that. Yeah, agreed. Um but uh I I I I think that I lost my train of thought there, but what I, I, I was line
0: with my, Thomas Huh? So you mo- you would probably most align with him. Um, yeah,
1: I I, yeah, I I I would most align with him. I, I think one of the um one of my concerns though is about you know going all into any of this, I think this is this is something that um Rabbi Artson said I thought it was brilliant. He said that answers shut you down, but questions open you up. Dude, so I think a lot of times Myself, myself included, you know, our friends, we come into these things, into periods of deconstruction, and you're looking for answers, and then, like, you can get them. Like, there are process answers, there are open theist answers, there's essential kenosis answers, there's classical theism answers, um, but at some point, and, and and to some degree, I do feel like, I think the answers can shut you down. Yeah. So what I I don't I don't want to yeah. I don't want to become so aligned or like uh, um, so bought in and th- that I lose, like we were talking about this the other day, that that I lose the ear to hear the sermon on the Mount and be like deeply troubled to yeah. do something. Because I feel like that, that to me is, that's almost like the, that's kind of like, the, that's like the momentum of what God is doing. Like God if God is sort of, um, I don't know, kind of like like the the center point, mm-hmm. the, the thing around which things are, are are sort of revolving, then for me, as my faith is kind of shifting, and, and and as things start to feel like they're kind of floating around, well, it's because like things aren't revolving around me. Yeah. So and 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 invariably, in, in, in then like I encounter God as a Kind of destabilizing force in my life, um, so I, I and I worry that just coming to like you know oh well I used to think this and then I read some process books and now I think that I think I got it like you're gonna lose your ability to hear Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Th- that that's my main thing. I I want to I want to hold loosely enough to whatever I think to be disturbed by Jesus. Yes. And I think that when I have when, whenever my philosophy, my, my theology gives me nice boxes, whether they're boxes that kind of go on the left side of the shelf or on the right side of the shelf, you you lose the ability like like the gospel's meant to drop a bomb on us. Mm-hmm. And you can't you, you can't just go climb into a progressive or conservative bunker to, to escape the blast. Um hmm. That's that's kind of my thing. I, I I maybe that feels like I don't know a a a, a cop out, but I I I I, uh, I think in having them and having and having all of the voices, and 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 the sitting in that thing, that's they're pulling me in different directions, which is kind of keeping me uh-huh. in that space of where like oh I don't like really, I don't really know where I am right now. <laughs> well, that that's where I want to be. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. It is kind of, man, we do have this
0: amazing luxury where we get to like talk to all these people and read all these books and get these perspectives and also not have to like preach every Sunday and like have this figured 100%. out. 100%.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or like go to a board part. and like yeah, be like, I yeah,
0: I think this. And like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, well, you're fired. You you're yeah. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. that's good. Well, man, let's put a bow on it. I, I this has been great. Anything else you want to highlight? Hopefully our listeners got a good taste. There are so many others. We tried to get um, Greg Boyd to come on. Uh, I think that we'll, get him. A, we'll get him. We'll get him eventually, I'm sure. He's a great, you know, another voice in this yeah. space. There are others um, for sure. But for, you know, go ahead, Stephen. Are you going to mention anything else? I I
1: just say this is a, just a big thanks to Rabbi Artson yeah. and Tom Ward and Trip Fuller. and
0: um, Not to Trip, actually, just the other two.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Wait, okay. listen, man. Yeah. We have really, uh, really been just been blessed by those conversations with with all three of those guys, and I, I hope that, um, I mean, I hope that people have gotten on to the discussion group and Facebook if they haven't. I, I imagine they can probably still get there if you just to yeah. the trip. I'm sure he'd let you in. Um, uh, and 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 I, I hope that this at least it gets people into the conversation, because mm-hmm. that's frankly that's that's where I think that's where that's that's what God's trying to do. I think I think he's trying we need to be bumping up against each other. I love
0: it. It's great. Well, thanks everyone for listening. This has been fantastic. Again, go back and listen if you haven't uh, to some of the previous episodes in the series. Looking forward to some other conversations. We've already had a couple um, that we're going to release in the coming days outside of this topic. Um, If you haven't before, feel free to hop onto iTunes and give us a review unless it's less than five stars.
1: Um, (laughs) I hate hate the review. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, what you know the average. am uh, so one of these days I have to do my whole rant on, on the do, whole like, rating reviews? system. Oh, oh I can't stand reviews. it. No, because it, it, no, like they're not. It's not. It's not a reliable. It's not a real like representation of anything. Except case, on isn't? this podcast, it is. Oh god. i so literally. The last time I checked, there was one three star review. That was mine. Because I'm what? trying to our uh, podcast. Yeah. Yes. You are awful. What? <laughs> no, because I dude, I am a data guy, man. I'm trying to
0: our brand. <laughs> Gosh,
1: man. I thought we I was were. trying to it. bring it back to center. Come on, man. There's a bell curve. Hey, there's we're no also gonna that... be
0: guests. We're gonna be guests on someone else's podcast. We together. are, yeah. Yeah. We're fun. excited about that. So just stay tuned. We'll mention that. Um, we were invited to come on and talk on another podcast, which will be fun. And yeah, man, we're we're saying quasi busy. We also I'm just gonna throw this all out there for our people. We, we talked about doing a live like Q and A sort of conversation, which frankly I think with Zoom we could probably do a video like for if everyone got on at nine o'clock on a Monday night or something. So stay tuned for maybe that or none of this. Um, but <laughs> I think we don't know and who knows what we actually are It's the
1: nature of what's five kids in between. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hit us up if uh, you guys have other like guests you want us to check out or any, any other feedback. Email us at ladypodcast at gmail.com. Um, or anything else and come be a part of it. Thanks to a lot lot of you that have talked to Stephen and I about this subject in particular with the open relational stuff, which is fun. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Thank you again to the guests and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one.
1: Great.